What's the most expensive investment or the hot, like the largest investment that you made into either marketing or advertising? From a realtor's perspective, right? So I, I am a licensed realtor as well. I don't practice because God love realtors. Like they have a really hard job. I'm starting an online business, but I can't computer. Like what? Hi. Hi. <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Fuck Your Podcast. I'm Emma Pardo. And I'm Katie Martin. And on today's episode, we have a special guest host, Ms. Crystal Anderson. Say Woo-hoo! hi, Crystal. Oh, hi. So we're going to talk about a, a bunch of stuff today, but uh, Crystal, I've known for a really long time. So business mentor, entrepreneur, family member, <laughs> and uh moving on to got a lot of you got a lot of stuff going on but we met originally just through family obviously but uh in the roofing industry so for people who don't know who you are tell a little bit about your story and how you got from where you started versus where you are now uh, i started in the roofing industry back in 2001 so the home services sector um before that i was uh, mom and a bartender. So, um, you know, came a long way from like where I started and, um, you know, it was just every day trying to like become a better person, better version of myself. So just worked through the construction industry as a salesperson, show my age a little bit. I found a job in the newspaper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, uh, started doing uh, sales in the construction industry and just really fell in love with being able to help people um, and, you know, put their homes back together uh, after a leak or a storm or something. And from there, started my own business in 2007, uh, which is when Katie and I started working together. And from there, just continued to grow business and um, exited a business in 2018. And now I help other business owners either correct their distressed business or uh, figure out how to exit gracefully. So it's everything from A to Z from business, from financials to marketing, um, large background in the marketing side, learned a lot of hard lessons along the way. So awesome. Well, and speaking of marketing, because obviously we talk about marketing a lot on podcasts since that's what we do. Like, it's funny, all the people that are getting into the roofing industry now versus when we got into the roofing industry, how different marketing is. Like, I mean, it's it's like light years different compared to where we started. So like, uh, I tell people sometimes like of the marketing strategies we used to use when, you know, 2008, you know, compared to like what you do now, it's like night and day. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. Um, talking about like, um, I've told this story to other people before, but obviously yellow pages, right? <laughs> like you think 23 <laughs> years ago, you know, or not even that long ago, I guess that would have been like 13, 14 years ago. It's like the yellow pages was like the only form of marketing. Like people didn't even have websites at the time. Like having right. an email address was like crazy. Nobody had business domain emails for sure. It was like a Gmail. I don't even know what that Gmail account was anymore. Yeah. But, um, you know, now you get like these fancy cards in the mail from service contractors that are like, let me help you with your AC or your roof or whatever. We were literally printing them out on card stock, like four little bitty index cards, cutting them right. in paper cutter. So it's funny. I didn't even think about that till you just said, you know, what marketing looked like. Like people got that in the mail and they didn't think anything different. Right. And they actually responded to it. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, like if it's not a high gloss 
fancy, great big, huge postcard, people won't even send it out. Yeah, it's just crazy how, and also what it costs, you know, like if you think of what you pay for now, like in digital marketing, so, you know, roofing companies now focus on where their website ranks, you know, in Google. And back then you were, where do I show up in the yellow pages? Where do I show up in the business listings? And it's funny because the the first first iteration of the company that we worked together, like originally you're like, I, you know, honestly, it was higher in the alphabet. So I knew people would see me first. <laughs> And yeah, just like little things like that is it's kind of funny to you know just I'm over here because I'm in limbo, right? I like I think I vaguely like if I could go back and remember my childhood. Have you ever seen a oh phone my... book, Emma? <laughs> yes, I have. And I was very young. Very, very young. And then those are pretty much non existent. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's like, it's interesting, Emma, that you talk about that because there's like, even like where we're sitting now, like there's still mm -hmm. that middle ground, right? Like you have your mm -hmm. baby boomers that half of them don't even know how to use a computer. And if they do, they're like, oh, I'll be finding on my phone and they don't pay attention. They just click on whatever comes up first. And, you know, so trying to market in this age is very interesting because it's mm -hmm. like, you have people like you, Emma, that like, don't even really remember the phone book. You had the phone book error where everybody used that. Like I remember carrying one in the backseat of my car. Like you didn't have the option <laughs> to look stuff up on your phone. Right. Um, and then the baby boomers still want to use some of that old technology. So there was like a period of time where Google didn't really work either because you had such a, an intermittent and especially in the home service industry, right? Yeah. Like you have to think about the age group of the people that own homes that actually need mm -hmm. services done. So even though the marketing world had shifted for a lot of industries to completely digital, I think home services is a was a little slower to catch on um, because mm -hmm. there wasn't so many people looking for it. But it really put home service companies at a disadvantage if you were smaller. Like even if you had a big budget, back then you knew what it was, right? Print ad was like print ad was print ad. Like you just knew that that was your budget for a 12 to 18 month period. And that's what you paid. And then today to even stay relevant with digital marketing, you have to figure out what that spot looks like from a, from a budgetary standpoint. And if you can even afford to play in that arena, because mm -hmm, Google right. ads are expensive. Um, you know, social media takes a lot of extra time, like print ad, you, you met with your, you met with your person, came up with your design, figured out if you wanted a one page or a two page, that's it. So now there's like a lot of things to really think about when you're trying to build your business in home service sector. Right. Right. Okay. And I've noticed Sorry, Katie. No, go I've ahead. noticed with working with some of these home service companies, especially the the clients that are older or revert back to, I don't mm -hmm. want to say older because it's not like we have anybody that's old. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it was lack of a better word, but like the more traditional or early 2000s way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, with, with something like that, it's a set and forget kind of thing. You know, you, you set up what you need to, you put your information out there. And people will call you if they see, you know, whatever they see right. in the phone book. But with social media, you you can set it and forget it, but it's not going to perform very well. Like you have to, yeah. you know, we we go through all of our ads and all of our social media and it's constantly looking at things, constantly engaging, constantly optimizing. And that's crazy how far that's come. 
Yeah. And that's a lot for a business owner to learn if they didn't come from that world, because if you've been in business for a really long time and you are, like you said, some people are just accustomed to, I had an account manager, they handled all that stuff. I just basically approved an ad, you know, ad copy and ad design. But then it's like, oh, well, I have a Facebook page. It should start magically do something and like doing something. And they don't realize, no, that's constant contact. Like that's constant ad copy that's constant post copy that's constant posts and right. and so now like the digital world I'm, i i don't even know like when's the last time when's the last tr- like crystal when's the last time you looked at any kind of like traditional advertising like yellow page billboard or radio like because those were three pretty big in the home service industry that were pretty expensive yeah so you know we did radio as well um mm-hmm. but we learned some really hard lessons with that as too Honestly, I can't tell you the last time (laughs) I take that back. I looked at a phone book the other day and it wasn't because I was looking for a service company to use or somebody to like a lawyer or whomever. I was actually using the phone book to find companies that I could buy because that means they're that far behind the times. Right. So if they're still advertising in the phone book, what are their marketing methods and do they need to look at either transitioning their company to be able to have higher revenues or do they need to look at possibly exiting their company? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the last time I picked up a phone book. Picked up a phone book. So um, (laughs) right now, like with the the business that you have is primarily focused on digital, like digital and networking. So, and we're going to talk about that here in a second, but one thing I did want, like when, so back in the day, like obviously even in 2008, I remember working on the first website and then there were other iterations of the website, but back when you ran a pretty big roofing company, you know, you did a lot of traditional advertising in combination with digital stuff as well. What's the most expensive investment or the hot, like the largest investment that you made into either marketing or advertising? Oh my God. I would say websites. Really? Yeah. Because you know, you don't know what you don't know, especially mm-hmm. when there's a new era of marketing coming in and all you hear is, you know, your website, you have to have a website, you have to have a website. Well, nobody really told you why you had to have a website, right? They or just what it was supposed to do. To, yeah. So then you would build one and somebody would come in behind you, behind them and go, oh, that one's not good enough. We need to update it. Oh, we, we need to change that. And to build a website, even in 2010 was extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. And now we obviously know there are easier ways, depending on the size of the the company to do website. And, you know, obviously the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. But back then it was just really like no one knew. And they just said you had to have one. And then you just kept going from there and everybody told you it needed to be better. So you kept doing all the stuff and then SEO, right? Everyone tells you, oh, invest in, in search engine optimization and grow organically. And then people come and tell you, well, you have to do paid ads. So like, I would say website was the most expensive because everything always came back around. Your website has to perform. Like that's all you ever heard. And you still hear, maybe not so much now, but performance of your website. And then they want to sell you one small package and then another one and another one and another one. And it just, it gets expensive. I can imagine webs. I mean, if you did compare website to even a lot of agencies, like even with what we do, we charge a fraction of the price that I've seen what people have ch- like paid for websites several, several years ago. And some of that is like 
technology improves and as it becomes more efficient, it becomes cheaper. And so like, I can, I can see that, but that's like, uh, we were talking about this on another podcast with um, like making movies. It's kind of the same thing. Like CGI is starting to get cheaper because the technology is becoming more efficient and the same thing with digital marketing. I want to, so, and you would, you would say that even like, is that because of the updating of the websites that you feel like you feel like that's where you spent the most money like in comparison to like your radio advertising or uh we never we never did television right yeah we did um we we did do some tv yeah um that didn't bear much see and that's so crazy for small businesses to do tv ads to me these days is just because i don't even have i don't have cable i don't even see local commercials like no i don't don't see i think the one that's on hulu the most isn't it like applebee's or something random (laughs) yeah like just i mean it's bigger obviously Mm -hmm. applebee's are everywhere but um yeah you don't see very even with like youtube and stuff that's spammed with ads or any of the apps on your phone it's not nothing is local it's all these big time companies you can't you can do local advertising on youtube but like yeah it's it's kind of right now the baby boomers are getting older which 10 15 years ago that was your largest customer base because they were the people who were still living in a home and now you have millennials who half of the older millennials have houses the other half can't afford it and uh so that whole dynamic's going to change you if you don't get in front of the right people like you're not going to get in front of the right people half the people you could get in front of might be renters you know if they Mm -hmm. don't own the property so that's well that's also what's what's crazy in the roofing industry is the amount of people that rent i mean a house is a house it still needs to be taken care of but you know we had so many people at our other house that we were i mean we rent this house too but the last house it was every day we had somebody with some roofing company trying to sell us something we're like we (laughs) your door knocking is doing nothing because we can't make that call right (laughs) either way i can't even imagine being a door-to-door type person in today's world like with everybody having doorbell cams and like you know somebody knocks on my door work from home but I look at my phone before I even go downstairs to see who it is I'm the same exact way and we've yeah it's so bad when we've taught the five-year-olds do not go in a visible window if you hear the door just duck and cut like it's (laughs) we don't even look because he used to be so excited when I first moved to Texas it was like he would open the door for anybody we're like no no, no, no." don't do that (laughs) oh I mean that goes for anybody's kids these days but like that's true specifically we're like do not going for the door hide right. <laughs> don't even look until we say it's okay well we so. had to do that i had to remind justin of that the doorbell camera went off and i'm the only one that has it on my phone so he got up and like was gonna go upstairs i'm like wait a minute i'm like we didn't even see who it is like you don't have to answer the door like it's kind of the right. whole point when you work at home you have the doorbell camera so if someone rings your doorbell you don't have to stop what you're doing you can just be like hey we're not home like <laughs> you know go away <laughs> But for yeah. the most, I mean, being that we came from an industry that was, that had door to door, I'm still empathetic to, you know, salespeople. I'll still talk to some of them, but yeah, it's, it's totally different. That's why oh God, we talked about it the other day, as far as on the recruiting side of things, like I would hate to be the person that was recruiting for a company in like place somebody with a company and then God forbid they're, they go out and it's door to door and then like something bad happens, you know, like, cause you never know the people who you've had that happen in Texas where roofing salespeople right after a storm have gotten guns pulled on them. It's happened in Florida after the hurricane. So 
it's just like that whole method of marketing has got to get up to speed, you know, get with the times. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people are doing it, but they know that it's like the path to least resistance. It's like, if all of these things don't work, I can still go knock doors. So it's, I guess it's good that you have a last resort or some people it's their first resort and they're trying to get out of that habit. But it's still like, to me, it's more of a safety thing at this point. It's just not the same world anymore. No, yeah, not at all. You know, and it's, it's interesting. You circling back to what you were talking about earlier with the, uh, the digital piece, right? right? Like there's so many other ways to reach people. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've, I've heard it called digital door knocking. So, you know, for the people that are in the door knocking industry, it's like contacting people through the social channels and, you know, being able to identify them based on geofencing and like all of this technology that's available. Why do you even have to go knock on doors? Like, right. You know, and and I get it. Small companies path least resistance, right? You just go directly to the person that you think is going to have your services. But it also doesn't create rebranding of your company because they're not seeing you over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So yeah. taking taking those people in your marketplace to be able to identify your brand versus just one person knocking on the door. So yep. Yep. And so uh, other ways, so to the flip side of this, and I don't know, I, it could be just because I'm not as savvy to it as what, as what you are. The one thing that as long as we've worked together, regardless of the company or the project or whatever, like you were the person that I could always get the best perspective from of like an out of the box, like concept where you saw marketing as, okay, that's great. We could do this, but what if you narrowed that search? What if we expanded this particular task? Like there was always a more inventive, creative angle to some of the marketing, even if it was like hands-on, you know, if it was a hands-on, if it was a mailer, if it was something digital and automated, like you always had the best, like out of the box ideas to generate customers and to generate referrals. So that's always been super fun, you know, to be a part of. And like some of that you do now with the networking side of things, because a lot of people are like, nah, no, I, I, you know, networking group, I'm not part of a networking group. I'm telling you like just the last three months I've been in a networking group has been a game changer. And it's just, all about how you can connect with people what are your thoughts on that or like some of the most thing like things that you've done that have been like the most fun or most rewarding in either marketing or networking well i would say that the most rewarding thing would be building relationships so like you think of like networking the networking is just introducing you to someone that you've never met before Mm -hmm. and you know the real work happens when you're creating the relationship because people refer people that they like Mm -hmm. or that they know, or they know is going to do a good job. So it's, you know, networking is about the relationship and then keeping those people that you've met through the years in constantly like re-engaging with them. Um, I think a lot of people go and they get like 10 cards, right? Like I'm going to go to a networking event and I'm going to meet 10 people. I'm going to get their cards. And then what do they do with them? Yeah. If you don't do anything with it. Yeah. So, you know, it's better to get one card or two cards or meet one or two people than it is to go around and like try and meet 10 or 15 people. Mm. And, you know, none of those stick because they don't even really know who you are. Yeah. So, right. um, I would say that networking is a great opportunity finding a very niche group of people to be in. And then depending on what service industry you're in, if you're like kitchens and baths or home design, uh, being part of the Home Builders Association is a good one because people look to the Home Builders Association for trust. Um, Usually the contractors that are there are very educated. Um, And then just, 
I think the biggest one that we use right now is again, relationships, but it's the relationships of referral partners. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for us, like real estate agents have become a very big repeat, <laughs> repeat offender. No, just <laughs> <laughs> um, but they call, right? Like they right. have pervy information to people that need new roofs or they're under inspection deadlines or whatever. So like when you become their go-to, they just keep calling you and they'll call the contractor that they've done business with for years until he screws up. Right. She screws up. So um, as long as they're available and they're, they do a good job and they treat the clients well, then they'll forever be in, you know, they'll, they'll forever be working with you as long as they're in the industry. Right. Talk about, um, so I don't know if it was something that you coined, but I know it's the first time I had heard it when we started, when we started working on the project together, but you've talked about in the roofing industry, power partners, like what's the, what do you see the difference between power partners versus your referral partners? So power partners, um, are really the, the referral partners that have very similar uh, type of clientele or people that would need your services as equally as theirs. Um, so thinking of like for our industry and roofing, power partners would be a real estate agent, um, a home inspector, a um, solar company, uh, tree trimmers, like anybody that would have pervy information to what we do, where they understand how we can service our client and how it would benefit them as well as us. So, and then being able to return the favor, right? So so we'll call it a tree service company. Like we're going to call them when somebody calls us because they had a tree fall in their house. Mm -hmm. We want to work together. We want to be power partners and refer business back and forth to each other. So those power partners are people that you can work simultaneously with. You can, they can benefit from you or you can benefit from them, but they are also people that have service sectors that are similar to yours where your services are needed. And I think like the biggest distinction, because you can get people that rescind your referrals. And we've also seen, I've also seen roofing companies where they don't really develop a relationship and kind of a process and an understanding with a real estate agent. And they start kind of using them for, you know, estimates that never go anywhere or inspections that really never go anywhere. So I think the really the distinction between somebody who sends you referrals versus someone who's more of a power partner is that the power partners already kind of pre-qualified the lead and or the referral and sometimes even pre-sold it because if you get someone who works with you know like let's say your partner like your referral partner is a solar company and they don't do anything roofing related they're going to say hey we can't put solar on your house unless your roof's replaced and here's who we use to do that so it's like it's darn near a guaranteed job like it takes out so that's that whole thing of talk about scalability if you have five or six people total, like it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be a ton of people, but if you like where you position your company in a partnership or with somebody like that, you don't really need a ton of those to have consistent job flow because they're not just leads. They're not just referrals. They're teetering on being sold jobs. Yeah. Very hot opportunities is what I call them. Yeah. So they are, they're, they're pre-sold for you by the time they get by the time they get to you, that person basically already knows they need your service. It's just a matter of how much is it going to cost me? Yep. Yep. And I think the, the, the thing that there are, there's only so many roofing companies that really do it well when it comes to working with real estate agents, because you've got to learn some of the nuances to their sales process and how you can bring value to that. And, but once you create that relationship, it, 
like, again, it's, they're just going to continue referring you because you're making their job easier and it's solving the problem, you know, that the, that the, either the buyer or the seller has. Yeah. That's, that's always been a fascinating, you know, fascinating angle. Some people just don't pay attention to it enough and you, and it could be really beneficial. Yeah. It's, it's understanding the, the need of the realtor, right? Like it's right. not about us. It's about them. Like they're mm-hmm. being paid commission based on how well they allow the transaction to go through. What did they do? Right. Like, <laughs> um, from a realtor's perspective, right? So I, I am a licensed realtor as well. I don't practice because God love realtors. Like they have a really hard job. Um, They're under deadlines all the time, (laughs) but they're literally like a liaison for the entire process, buyer, seller. And then they do volunteer work until it closes. Like at the end of the day, think about it. They don't get paid commission until everything is done and at the closing table. Mm -hmm. So every piece of work that they do from the time that the property goes under contract through inspection period, contacting a contractor for an estimate, trying to get somebody out there to do the necessary repairs, all the way to the closing table, they are volunteering their time because if that deal falls through, they lose the deal and they lose their commission. So I I truly believe like part of our success in working with um, realtors is understanding their pain point, right? Like yeah. they're under deadlines. They, they have certain things that they have to do. And then they're also dealing with emotion. So people that are buying and selling, there's a lot of emotion that goes into it, which then puts undue stress on them. So if you have a contractor in any of the sectors, right, whether it be foundations or HVAC or whatever, right, mm-hmm. any of those, if they can understand the pain points that that realtor has, and trust me, there are some days that they'll call 10 times and I'm like, oh my God, stop calling. <laughs> Um, but understanding they're under a really high pressure to get this to the finish line. And if you don't have good people in their corner, it could kill the deal. Yeah. So, yeah. And just being very like somebody who, somebody else who cares and is very conscious of that. That's very important. So the relationships like you've built and the, the referral partners that you have, it's the thing that I think, well, one, you can obviously see the success that you've had in that is due to the fact of either you or Tim really developing that relationship, understanding those things, understanding the inner workings, which now kind of moving on to what you're doing, like not being in the day-to-day of a roofing company, but looking at the companies that you've been helping more on consulting and investing, kind of share with us a little bit about what what that looks like and what like what you're currently doing uh, on that side now. Right. So, you know, stepping away from the, the day-to-day, obviously continuing to keep the marketing machine going, <laughs> but uh, doing mergers, acquisitions, helping distressed business owners. Um, I've been there. Like there is nothing worse than feeling like all, all you can do, you know, we're talking about marketing, but the reality of it is, is that sometimes companies get into trouble because of marketing. Like Mm -hmm. they keep taxing themselves, make more sales, push more revenue. And they just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And they throw all this money at marketing But then they turn around 18 months later and they went, oh crap, like what just happened? And now they've put themselves into a tailspin. Their cash flow is low. Their marketing is working a little bit, but it's not working as effective as they would have hoped for the budget that they had allocated. And they get themselves into a financial position. And then the owners, they start getting burnt out, right? I use the Mm -hmm. phrase, we're either fired up or fizzled out. After you just keep running towards the finish line, haha. 
above my head says no finish line. So <laughs> there is no finish line. You just have to keep going. But a lot of them are like, I just got to get there. I just got to get there. I just got to get there. And what they don't realize is that that finish line keeps moving. Right. So it's like the closer you get, the the further away it gets from you. And companies get in trouble that way. So what I'm doing now is helping um, companies by either partnering with them to um, alleviate some of that stress so that we can look at it from a financial position, determine how they could increase their cash flow, decrease their expenses. You know, small to medium-sized business owners, especially in the service industry, I would say about 60 to 70% of them are coming in because they started in the industry and they don't necessarily know like how to run a business. They right. they look, they they see what they saw when they were doing it, but they didn't realize before they got in, oh, you have to start monitoring insurance and what that costs and what your marketing budget is, like all of these things that go into it. And then they find themselves just completely burned out. So being able to go in and identify where some of those pitfalls are all the way down to, you know, the $99 subscription that they've been paying for the last five years that they don't even know what it goes to because their bookkeeper just enters everything into QuickBooks. Like nobody ever stops and actually looks at the financials, you know? And then the other thing is you have a, you know, you have 11,000 baby boomers that are, are wanting to retire every single day or that are retiring every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a lot of businesses that are, you know, either going up for sale with brokers that are sitting or they're just closing the doors. Yeah. Like there's a lot of businesses after you, after you hear to hear this, you'll start realizing it really quickly. You'll be talking to somebody, you'd be like, oh yeah. And then all of a sudden they'd be like, oh yeah, I used to go to this store down the street and they, they just closed and mm -hmm. ask why, why did they close? Well, because their kids didn't want to take it over and they couldn't find anybody to buy it yep. because one in 26 businesses will sell on internet like through. Huh. So the likelihood of positioning your business to sell is slim from, from that perspective. But if yeah. you can position your business where you can find someone like myself or, you know, others, other people that work in the mergers and acquisitions side of things that want bolt-ons for their existing company. Right now we're looking at um, potentially acquiring like gutter cover companies, um, you know, guttering, we already do guttering, but People have a huge need for like gutter covers. Um, right. So tapping into that market, windows and doors, garage doors. And again, you're able to grow a business bigger by having more services to offer. But the question that I stopped and asked myself and how I determined this was the direction I was going to go, what's the barrier point of entry? And the barrier point of entry is the cost, right? Like I have two ways of going about this. I can try and figure it out. It's going to cost me an arm load because I'm like trying to figure out the marketing for that industry. And I'm trying mm -hmm. to figure out what's needed and how to buy product and where to get discounts and all this stuff. Or I can go into a business that is very parallel to what we're already doing and identify where it needs to be tweaked, but they already have the client base. They already have yeah. the marketing set up. It just all needs to be fine-tuned. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think a lot of people too don't realize that there's so many variations, quote unquote, of selling your business. Like they don't see that they don't. Some people are like, well, I wouldn't sell my business or I wouldn't take on a partner. But there's so many different ways to arrange that. They don't, I don't think they realize the opportunity. It's like if you had somebody that either has A, the knowledge or B, the capital that can come in. And so, and sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's one or the other. And sometimes it's temporary. And I yeah. think, again, like you talked about, a lot of people get into a particular industry or they open a business because either the product or the service is something they know about 
out, but not understanding the bigger picture of running a business. Then you start looking at things like mergers and acquisitions. I guarantee you probably scares half the people that would hear that. And because they're like, where, where do you even start with that? And sometimes it doesn't have to be as a partnership, a buyout or an exit strategy can sometimes be simpler than you think. And it yeah. can, and it can be beneficial. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as an example, um, I just talked with a gentleman a couple of days ago and, um, you know, we sparked a conversation through social media, um, and we jumped on a call and he's like, yeah, I'm looking at, you know, retiring over the next couple of years. And, you know, I just, I just kind of wanted to see what was out there. And so we got into a conversation and what I realized is that his business needed significant accounting help and it needed a lot of marketing strategy put in place. Like he's older, just kind of fell by the white, the wayside. And he just did things the old way, just like we were talking about earlier. Like they just, they just did it the way they always did it. The right. guy's doing well, like he's bringing yeah. in a good number of revenue for the amount of marketing strategies doing. But if he was to try and sell his business today or retire, leave it to his children, whatever, like there's still things that need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most people are like, oh my God, I don't want a partner. Well, we're not, we're not true partners, right? Like we're not right. coming in. Like I, I used to always use the phrase partnerships, a sinking ship. And, you know, I always use that because it's like, usually you have two people that are butting heads that just can't get along because they both have a power struggle. But when you have a person that's been doing this for so long and they love what they do and they truly want to leave a legacy, whether it be for the employees that they have, that they don't want to lose their jobs, they continue to keep working and not retiring because they're like, what's going to happen to them? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, building it up so that their kids can take it over whatever the case may be is bringing somebody in that actually has as much passion for the business as you do. And right. they can look at it from the 30,000 foot view where you've been in the weeds for so long that you can't see it any differently than it currently is. And that's why things yeah. have changed. That's why you're still operating from the same processes that you were before. So, you know, looking at a merger or an acquisition doesn't have to always be scary because right. there's a lot of people like myself that it's, you know, it's funny roofing. I got into it because it's about the people, mm-hmm. but now I'm just taking it to a much bigger scale, right? Like it's the business owners that serve the people that I want to help because yep. if those businesses aren't there, they're not going to serve the people inside the community. So having a partner, you know, is really like having a, having a mentor that really wants to see your business flourish to the next level, whether you're there or you're just creating the legacy to pass on to your employees. Yep. I love that. Well, Crystal, um, it's been very interesting to sit here and learn about like, well, from both of you, actually, you know, I'm just a baby over here, <laughs> but, um, to kind of switch to more personal things so people can understand who you are as a person, obviously you're an entrepreneur, but like, what do you do when you're not working? What's your, what do you do for fun? What do you do to relax? What do you do to <laughs> step away from the business every once in a while? Um, so I work out, you know, that's like probably the biggest like stress reliever. Like I, that, you know, it's like some people are like it's a hobby or, you know, for me, if I don't do it, my day starts off horrible. Rough. Yeah. <laughs> all day, you know, energy. Um, so I, I make sure that I work out at least five days a week, go to the gym, go for a walk, whatever the case may be. We love boating. So anything water, like I, I don't care if it's the beach in Florida I don't care if it's the lake, like if there's water, I'm in my happy place. Like you could literally like put me on a beach in a cardboard box for a week on vacation and I wouldn't care. 
<laughs> I love it. Yeah. I need that in my life. Cole yeah. and I were actually going to go, his mom invited us to Maui next week and we were going to go until we saw like the, was it, is it hurricane or tropical storm Dora that's like hitting there right now and the wildfires so we're like, maybe we sit this one out. But yeah. I was looking right? forward to water time <laughs> for sure. I don't get that right now, but it is well, it's it is. season. So yeah, sometimes yeah. you just need to like find a lake you can hang out to because Florida can even be hit and miss. <laughs> well, like the there, closest, it's red tide. <laughs> well, the closest water to us is Galveston. Well, maybe not the closest water, but like coastal is Galveston. Yeah, We're two coastal. hours from Galveston, and they're like under E. coli warning. Oh Lord, yeah. See, yeah. so we're like maybe the ocean, we just stay home. The ocean's like, scary. The ocean's um, scary, but I love. <laughs> I do love the water too. We bring on a guest. And we just talk about like, what's one thing that's triggered you in like the last week? We call it, this is what really grinds our gears. I've had mine that I've been waiting to talk about. <laughs> oh, let's hear it. Katie, I can oh see as part of me senses you're on edge about this. And I don't know what it is. But I I'm have been for it. like four days. Okay. So, what is it? Um, people under the age of, let's say 45, who are completely, uh, honestly, no. If you're under the age of 50, that are completely computer illiterate. But they think it's cute. <laughs> they think it's like a cute personality trait. And I have talked to four people in the last two weeks of ra like range of ages where they're like, oh, I don't do that. What do, you, what do you mean you don't do? What do you do for a living? Like, what do you do for a living? I've talked to two people who are like, I'm starting an online business, but I can't computer. I'm like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? Are you sure and this then, is for you, ma'am? Oh, maybe, maybe. In <laughs> but okay, hold on. Here's. Voice, Here's the question that I have for you over this. Like, what do you think in this day and age is an appropriate age for people to be computer illiterate with the times? Or do you mean like, like what is, what is the, age? like, if they are older than this, then it's acceptable. But if they're younger than this, they should than, know. If they're older than 50, but honestly, between the ages of like 50 and 55, you still have a decent amount of like, I honestly, at this stage with as old as I am and how computer savvy I am and everything that all of us do being incredibly tech savvy, I would say you almost have to be like 60. Like if you were to, if you were in your sixties or seventies and you're like, oh, I don't know how to do that. I'd be like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll help you do that. Like, but if you come to me and you're like 36 and you're like, oh, I just don't really know how to use a computer. I'd be like, you went to school. They probably handed you one in kindergarten. Like how, what do you mean? Like yeah. that you don't, that you can't do that. I think what triggers me more about it is that the specific people that I've talked to and have said that it's just like, oh, it's, I'm, it's cute. No, it's not, it's not cute. Like someone's going to have to do something for you all the time. Like, as, and they're in an industry or they're in a business where it's required. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how? How did you get hired? How? Who do you know? What are your connections? Right. Yeah, exactly. What voodoo like, did you like? The, did you cast on the hiring manager or wherever it is you work? I think the thing that would piss me off the most, though, like it's one thing to be like, oh, I don't know how to do that, but it's another thing to be in an industry that needs that type right. of skill. Yeah, acting cute, thinking you're gonna fly below the radar. At some point, at first it might slide, but at some point you're gonna be that annoying employee, right? That or the annoying everybody coworker. So right. that's just something that has come up. And I know that we've talked about it before because the last place that we worked, there were two girls in particular who did that shit. And we were like, what? What do you, what do you mean? Like, oh, I'm just trying to brush up on my computer skills. I'm like, wait, where okay, you and I worked? Yeah. I'm like, okay, grandma, you're 30. Like, give me a break. 
<laughs> um, what's something that's triggered either one of you in the last week? Oh, I have to think about mine. Uh, actually, no. People in your life that you can call and they won't answer, but the second they call you, you answer. And the only reason they're calling you is because they need something. Oh, if that makes sense. So if I were to call somebody and they don't answer, okay, I don't like really think that deep into it, but I do catch on to when they call the next time that they call me, it's only because they need something because they and never, that, they never talk on the phone or no, they just you have two different kinds of offenders in that area. You have people who are, um, I don't understand why you're calling me when you can just text me kind of people, or they just they ignore your calls because they ignore everybody's calls or they just ignoring your calls i have no idea i try not to take oh. it personal don't make me think that hard no <laughs> okay no i'm not trying to make you take it personal but i'm just thinking of like the situation no i don't take it personal but i do notice when people call me only when they, like it's starting to add up but i'm like oh i only hear from you when you need something mm. and it's interesting but um what else was I going to say on top of that? I think what's crazy is that people my age don't like to do phone calls at all. Like they get anxiety about anybody calling. You yeah, know, I'm going to be on the phone. Cole and his friends were all the same age. We're all 25 and they don't talk on the phone at all. If they want to hang out, they'll text and Cole will be like, oh, they haven't responded yet. I'm like, if I want to hang out with somebody, I'll call them and say, hey, come over. Right. It's just an easier, faster way to communicate. I don't get why we got to sit and wait for somebody's text. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> There's always something. There's always something. Crystal, Crystal, what about you? Yeah, what's what's grinding your gears these days? What's grinding my gear? Probably just people that don't think. Like, it. you know, you talk about computers, Katie. It's like, yeah. They just can't go that next step. And it's not because they can't. It's just because they choose to not even think to go there. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like we all carry a phone around in our pockets right. and it's a it's a mini computer. But yet somebody goes, I don't know how to do that. Right. Have you heard of Google? Have you heard of YouTube? <laughs> like, you know, my favorite phrase is hashtag Google. Yeah. Because right. when someone goes, I'm not really sure what that means. Well, you have the biggest dictionary put the search term in and find out what that means yeah like, so it's more of like the forward thinking like yeah. come on just take it just come on just take it the next step right but what's so crazy is that we only notice like the people that do think have you ever been able to like spot somebody that's getting ready to not think <laughs> like you anticipate it you know what i mean like you're sitting they, there you're they thinking have that of imaginary what you bubble do. above their head that like all of a sudden it's like that thinking bubble that doesn't but you can anticipate what right. they don't think and you're just like, has the three dots go. in it like your eye message <laughs> yeah, right. it just never goes anywhere right exactly <laughs> i can't stand because then i like cringe at those people like internally it's just like really you nothing nothing came no you're not no. gonna okay it's like like they don't use their phone, they don't use their brain, you know, yeah. resources, people, resources. Right. I could expect that from somebody older, you know, like if you get a phone call from, shoot, I'm, I'm sure Justin's mom's done that before where she call us and ask us a question that we're like, what? I mean, I you could have Googled it just like I could have Googled it. <laughs> like, 
something like something simple like i could get that from somebody who was like of a generation where you didn't have that kind of instant access where we've had it for a really long time and use it all the time but it's crazy i i do see that though and sometimes in younger generations and i try to give no, no offense emma but like if somebody's new to something i can at least like kind of expect it to a degree but it's just like okay take it one more step just take one more step and i'm sure i'm sure you can figure it out oh and i'm not saying that emma like you do that but i can, i see that when someone no. i can tolerate it when someone's new because there's a difference between ignorance and stupidity ignorance is just you don't know so i have patience for ignorance i can correct ignorance if i if you didn't know this and now i've told you you now know it you're not ignorant to it anymore ignorance Stupid is temporary stupidity yeah. is forever stupidity is forever <laughs> You're in some, and it could be, it could be laziness, but I don't have a whole lot of patience. I have tons of patience was, for ignorance. Don't have a ton of patience for stupidity. <laughs> I was going to say, I have this strange respect for the people that do not upgrade to modern technology because they're like, I know I'm either not going to do it or I'm not going to understand it. So I'm just going to go with what I know and just be the expert in what I know. Right. So almost like a stay in, I'm going to stay in my lane type mentality. <laughs> you know what I mean? For uh, technology. Yeah. I mean, if they're the honest grid. about it, you can have a, you can have a respect that doesn't always eliminate the frustration if you have to work with them. So that's true. What's funny, I was we have a text message campaigns going out and and obviously we market to two roofing companies and the message was like it was an intro to like digital marketing, you know, just a friendly friendly message, you know, how how are things going to and somebody responded, "We don't market that way." And I was like, "So how do you market?" <laughs> then that's what I responded with and they they never replied because I'm like, "If you're not if you're not doing any of those things, then tell me what you're doing." I'm just curious. I want to know. Are you like, is it an older person who's like, you know, they're fine with the, uh, the yellow pages. So <laughs> what's crazy though, like people have been in business for a long time. So Mark is a good example. We talked about Mark on the last podcast too. He still has, I want to say a yellow page ad because he's been in business for 20 years. So he still, he still has it. And over the years, it's just gotten cheaper. So he's like, why not? People call me from it. So I'll, I'll just keep doing it since I've always done it. it but he does all the digital stuff too. He still has the, uh, he's the guy who has the peel off magnets on the front of the yellow page, like on the front of the yellow pages. So if you go into like a random store in Virginia beach and there's a stack of yellow book, like yellow pages, cause now they're free. You just pick them up, you know, somewhere they, they have his magnets on them. He goes, do you know how many calls I get from these still? I'm like, well, I mean, this part go of your Mark. marketing budget, keep doing it. <laughs> that's awesome. Go Mark. So that's funny. It's still a thing. It's still a thing. But, have uh, you guys seen the um it's a video i don't know if it's necessarily a tiktok it's a video circulating on social media and it's this guy who's teaching his grandma how to use her roku tv and he's like so. this is netflix this is hulu this is disney plus <laughs> these are all separate software like he's like yeah. try it. this is your home screen and these are all called apps None of them are in the same app. They're all separate apps. If you want to watch this, and he's like going through this whole thing, the grandma, and he's like, okay, now repeat that back to me. And the grandma's just sitting in the chair so excited, like, ready to learn. <laughs> I, we're going to have to do that with our in-laws pretty soon because they're, uh, I think their cable has gotten astronomically high. So they're like, we just want to watch what all you guys are watching. So step one, you're going to have to get internet to the house. Step two, then we'll come over and install a Roku TV. So that's funny. Anyway, if you want to hear a topic, if you want advice, if you want to just chat and say hi, you could always message us on Instagram at F underscore underscore K your pod, or you can always email me 
at Emma at 99 creatives or Katie at Katie at 99 creatives. <laughs> Thank you, Crystal, for being a guest. We really appreciate it. This is a, I think it was a good episode. I think it's a great episode. A lot of, it's going to be very uh, informational, but um, where can people find you, Crystal? Well, uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I can be found at crystaldanderson.com and it's C-R-Y for crystal. Um, so crystaldanderson.com. Awesome. And pretty soon on YouTube. And on YouTube. Yeah. You're going on YouTube? Pretty, That's pretty exciting. Soon on, yep, pretty soon yeah. on YouTube. Ooh, what kind of content are you putting out? Um, so I'll be putting out content, um, in regards to like similar to what we talked about today, which is how to, um, take your business to the next level from the entrepreneurial journey or to find a way that you can exit your business with grace. Amazing. I love it. Well, thank you again, Crystal. And for those listening, don't forget to do the damn thing. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. (laughs) 